Everyday Leaders. Good evening. Tonight is Tuesday, April the 27th, and I am so excited tonight. I have my second guest, and I have been just on pins and needles because Jamie Beckler is joining us here in the studio, the Everyday Leader Studio in Indianapolis, and he is in his hometown in Ohio. Thank you for joining us tonight, Jamie. Absolutely, Melanie. Uh, glad to be here. This is awesome. This is awesome. Um, I am so excited because people don't know this, but I was on your podcast, Success is a Choice, and it just released. And so I was like, oh my gosh, I listened to it again today and said, wow, you know, when you believe about leadership as much as we do, two geeks on leadership, <laughs> there's so much that we're going to pour into you tonight. So have to remind people, first of all, get your journals because you're going to learn a ton. And if you don't know Jamie, you are going to want to connect to him on so many levels. Um, coaching, uh, leadership, uh, you're an author, you're a father. I want to ask you a ton about your life tonight. So thank you for just being gracious and being vulnerable and being on Everyday Leaders Live. Awesome. I, I appreciate it. Uh, I, I look forward to it. You set the bar way too high, though. So uh, we'll, uh, if, if you just use a post-it note to take notes, that'll be fine. But uh, yeah, you, No, I'm, I'm excited to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, this is great. So I told all of my fellow Hoosiers, you had a career that you were in Indiana for a while. And, and so um, talk to us a little bit for people that don't know your story, Jamie. How did you start and what really has started influencing you as far as the leadership? Yeah, I, you're right, Indiana. And in fact, uh, this is where my wife and I, uh, we didn't get married here, but we moved here right after I was living in Indiana, at, at coaching at Anderson University, uh, just up the road from where you are a little bit. And uh, my wife was living in Ohio and we got married in Ohio and moved here after the honeymoon or moved to Indiana after the honeymoon. I was a coach at Anderson, like I said. And, and in fact, I, I worked with, and, uh, I, uh, I was a, um, I, I rented an apartment. We rented an apartment for the first couple of years of being married from a guy named Lonnie Zarnicky. And that name probably won't ring a bell to, to most people or, or anybody, but Lonnie's kind of been the right-hand man for, uh, vice president Pence for, a decade or so. He was in Washington with him as a senator and then in the governor's office and then in Washington, D.C. But uh, yeah, I rented my first apartment. My first apartment, uh, this was right before we were married. And I know that you didn't ask about this, but I'm going to tell you anyways, because because you threw this in there saying my whole life. So I'm going to give you something <laughs> never before told on a podcast ever. My first apartment that I lived in in Indiana before we got married was like a what, what had a fold out bed, like a Murphy bed. Okay. So if, so if I wanted a bedroom, I just pulled down the bed. And if I wanted a living room, I pushed that bed back up into the uh, wall. So that was my first, first, uh, apartment in Anderson, Indiana. But, uh, we rented after that, we, we, we upgraded after we got married, but we rented from uh, this guy named Lonnie who was, who, who had a huge part in my life early on, because when I went to Anderson, uh, I was a young coach, obviously, one of my first jobs in my 20s, and I kind of went there with a mission focus. I, I, yes, I wanted to coach basketball, uh, certainly, but I also wanted to impact lives, even at a young age. I just didn't really, I, I was too young to really know exactly how to do that and how to, you know, what that would look like, but but Lonnie was a huge mentor to me early on, so so that was huge. But, but from there, I ended up having a 20-year career in uh, coaching, uh, mostly women. Uh, at, and at the small college level in the South. And then I ended up going to be an athletic director at Marion High School there in Indiana for a couple of years. Uh, fifth largest gymnasium in the world, seats over 7,000. Nobody's won more boys basketball state titles, you know, in a, in a Hoosier, in the Hoosier state, you know, crazy state of basketball. So that was really fun. And then for the last four or five years, I've been uh, going on five years now, I've been um, uh, my own boss. So I've had a terrible employee. And uh, I've been self-employed, entrepreneur, and uh, doing the leadership thing, and it's it's been uh, it's been awesome. It's it's been great working with different sports teams, athletic departments, traveling all over the country, writing books, doing a podcast, uh, just trying to help people be better and trying to help coaches be better, so ultimately they can help their athletes be better people and ultimately develop the next generation of leaders out there. 
Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I'm an athlete, and so I played all kinds of sports growing up, and hockey on a boys' league, and and I think about that athletic mind, right? If you start to compete, you just develop this sense of I can do it. I'm going to be able to do whatever it is. If we're behind, we're going to do whatever it takes if we have the right coach, right? And we talk about mentors. Those are the ones that help us see what we can't see yet. And and so when you think about your mentors, if you didn't have those certain people in your life at certain times, what do you think your life would have maybe turned out like? Yeah, you know, a great it's a great question and and hopefully if I didn't have those people I would have found somebody else or somebody else would have found me, but you know, the people that come to mind right away, you know, the the five or six people that have really spoken into my life and been there at different parts that were crucial times in my life. You know, I look back on that and I'm like, yeah, I don't even want to think about if they weren't there. I, I don't even want to think about if they had helped guide me and direct me in the right way. And and you're right. Everybody needs a mentor or, or even everybody needs a coach, you know, if you're not thinking of it as a mentor. And, and I know those are those are two slightly different things, but everybody needs somebody in their life that's helping them go from where they are now to where they need to be or where they want to be. And, and you can't see the picture when you're inside that frame, you know, and so you know, even Usain Bolt, you know, the fastest runner ever, or, or uh, Michael Phelps, they needed coaches, they needed people to take them where they need, where they, they couldn't go on their own. And and sometimes we can't see those things. And so, yeah, those mentors along the way have, have been huge. Um, you know, and I've even had mentors, you know, we both uh, share a common bond with our uh, uh, passion for John Maxwell's stuff, his teachings. And, and, you know, John Maxwell, you know, it's not like he took me under his wing or anything like that. He's one of those mentors from afar or one of those people that uh, taught me or I look to his teachings. I look to what he did. I look to the way that that he treats people. And, you know, that had a profound impact on my leadership as a coach. I wish I was always perfect in that. I wasn't always perfect as a coach or as an AD, but I, I took a lot of my philosophies that I hold that I had as a coach, as I had as an AD and, and I have as a, a family, a father, a, a husband. And even now what I, what I talk to teams about comes from John Maxwell. Mm-hmm. And it's so much of what his wisdom is, right? I mean, he, he started in the biblical arena and then he said, my gosh, so many people in business are actually buying these books. And so maybe there's something to this. Maybe everyday people need to learn these lessons that are, are pretty simple values. And I think when you apply those, that's what really impacts your life. It's the application. Uh, so many of these, and I have these cards right here, This <laughs> the wisdom, right? Because I am a leadership junkie. And so everything that you know about leadership is if you learn it, if you understand it, and if you start applying it to your life every single day, it can have a significant impact. So when you look at the success that you have in your life, then you start to get really clear about how do you actually add significance to the world. And that's what I think is so great about you is, yes, you were successful for a long time and you you held you know the bar pretty high for people to say, hey, if you just follow these principles, you can also be a winning person. You can have a winning team. You can influence at a bigger capacity. And so, and that allows you now to kind of pour into people and say, look, here's a strategy. Here's a playbook, if you will. Uh, And because once you follow this, then you're going to know the steps that you need to take. And going back and reflecting, um, you know, like you said, sometimes you don't win, but you do learn what you need to do next uh, to kind of regroup, right? go back out in the fourth quarter and and make it work and and win the game. And so that's really key. So let me ask you, what was one of the biggest takeaways that you had coaching girls um, and helping them, right, to identify with them? Because I think this is really critical, um, getting into a high school girl's mind <laughs> and thinking about what are we going to do to win when they've got a lot of drama going on, right? Even as athletes. And so how did you connect to them? What was one of the values that you used that worked? I'm going to give you a terrible answer because uh, I'm not sure I ever figured that out. <laughs> My wife would say I haven't figured out the female brain yet. Uh, you know, they I, I received a, a book, I think, from her parents when we got married that was uh, Men Are From Mars and Women Are From Venus. 
and I read it multiple times and still, I think I failed miserably at that at times, but you know, quite honestly, and, and this is not the answer that people are expecting or looking for sometimes, but quite honestly, there may be a couple, there, there's some little nuances, but for the most part, the guys teams that I coached or the female teams that I coached, if, if I've got 15 players on that team, they're all 15 different personalities. They're 15 different people, no matter where they come from. Uh, there were some uh, females that acted more like, you know, the traditional guys than some of the guys did and, and vice versa. And so I say all that because I think that's an important concept. And, and uh, when we, we tend to, as people paint with a really broad brush, or we tend to put people in boxes and, and I do that as well. We all do that with stereotypes, that kind of stuff, generalities, but that does a disservice to all the individuals that we come in contact with and we interact with. And so your question is, is spot on. It's a great question, but I do think that even though I was coaching females and yes, there are some things, you know, obviously they can't run and jump, you know, as well as a man can in general, but from that physical stuff, you know what? There were some, there were some women that didn't want to have anything to do with drama. You know, we think about female teams as being drama, you know, but I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you a couple concrete th stories and, uh, and then wrap this up a little bit with a bow. But, you know, when I, my first year of coaching, we put these two young ladies together in, in a dorm. They both came from similar backgrounds. They both seemed to have similar philosophies. And we were like, man, these two freshmen are going to be great together. And so we put them in, in a, a, a dorm room together. And a week into school, I went up to one of them and I said, you know, you know, just how, how's it going? How's it going with, you know, Lindsay? And she's like, she is so bossy. I'm like, she's so bossy. What are you talking about? Like, this is my first year of coaching women. Never. And I coached five years of men. And then I was a man playing sports all my life. Never once did I hear a guy say the word bossy in respect to a teammate. So that was a little bit different. The other thing is uh, early on, uh, maybe the second week of practice, my first year, we in practice, we're in the huddle and I'm like, all right, all right, ladies, uh, you got about five minutes. Uh, go ahead, get, get, uh, you know, get ready. In about five minutes, the photographer's going to come in and take pictures for the yearbook. You would have thought that, I mean, that was the biggest mutiny. You would have thought that that was, I, I couldn't have said anything. I could have cursed their mom and their grandma and it wouldn't have been as bad as telling them that they had five minutes to get ready for pictures. Naturally, most of the women listening to this understand this. I now understand this. You Guys, I mean, you just throw them in there. Come on, coach, let's get this picture taken so we can get out of here. You know, females, it wasn't quite that way. So, so there's just a couple of, you know, little, little things, but ultimately those, those are managerial things to a degree. Leadership things is saying, all right, I've got 15 females and they all have 15 different personalities, fears, needs, wants, desires, uh, ambitions, the same way your 15 guys would be. So anyone that you interact with is gonna, they're, they're individuals, they're people. And so you have to treat them all individually and get to know what makes them tick. And that's, I think what makes a good leader, uh, I, I wish that I was perfect at that. I wasn't always perfect with that. I'm still not perfect with that uh, because I do paint with a broad brush the same as most people. But I think for the most part, you know, if you meet, all right, well, this is a 60 year old, this is a, you know, this is a boomer or this is a, you know, uh, this is this generation, a millennial or a boomer, or a Gen Z, or this is a man, this is a woman, this is a Republican, a Democrat, this is a grandpa, this is a Christian, this is whatever. And automatically we put them in a box. Mm -hmm. And so that limits our leadership, that limits our influence with that person. It also um, minimizes our chance of getting them uh, uh, to connect with us. And, and it just limits that connection there. So uh, it's a great question. Great question. Uh, but I don't have the great answer of, well, these females are this way and males are this way. No, because I think, you know, the whole lesson is meeting people where they are right? That's what we hear so much about what we practice is if you can do that, if you can do that successfully, and if you can inspire people and influence them, and we know, you know, leadership is influence. And so if you're able to connect to them 
on that level and give them that confidence, then you can win all the way around. You can you can really actually develop winning people. And so that's what I think is so great about what you've done now is transferring all of those coaching qualities into life. And you've done so many great things, Jamie. Uh, a couple of your books that I have, and thank you so much because you sent these to me. Um, I actually had them on my ticker, but the, the Leadership Playbook is one of these. So I wanted to share that. Um, and also the book that you just wrote, The Bus Trip. And so uh, as I was reading this, I love the story that you told. And I said, hey, let's talk about this because it's about, you know, never giving up. And when sometimes when you think you're, oh, you're just exhausted and you can't do anymore, that's the winning attitude and the mindset that you have to have all the time. And you wrote the story. And I love this because you talk about, um, are you darty? And Talk about this story, because I think it's really important for people, this analogy, uh, for those of us that have, have kind of, we're done with COVID, right? <laughs> we're done. And we need a little bit of encouragement to say, if you could just try a little bit harder, you never know what's on the other side, right? Yeah, yeah. great, great point. And yeah, the story, and it's it's good for not just quitting, but getting frustrated, getting discouraged, um, I like it even more for just dig, getting discouraged because a lot of us are like, well, we're not going to quit. We're not quitters, but we do get discouraged all the time. But regardless, yeah, are you Darby? The story goes, you know, he's back in the, the 1840s. He's one of the, the original 49ers. You know, he's in the East Coast and he's going to go to the West Coast with these hopes and dreams of hitting the mother load, getting rich, finding all this gold. So he, he packs up his belongings, heads out West, goes to California finds a plot of land, starts digging, starts digging, starts digging, starts digging. And he finds little pieces here and there, but, but nothing really to write home about, nothing that's going to make him rich. It's not the mother load that he was, he was wanting. And so he starts to get discouraged. And day after day, he's doing this, and he's just not achieving what his major goal was. He's, he's, he's focused on that, that end result, and he's not getting there. And so he's like, I've had it. I quit. He goes and, and gets as much money as he can for his equipment. He sells it to some dudes, you know, sells his plot of land and he heads back east. Well, these guys who bought his 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 equipment, bought that plot of land, they go out there, they start digging and they find this mother load of gold, this mother load of gold, three feet, three feet, essentially an arm's length away from where R.U. Darby had stopped digging. Now. We don't have a crystal ball. There's no, there's no guarantee that he would have hit that mother load. He could have gone off to the left or off to the right, you know, and we never know in our life if we're going to achieve that goal or, or hit that mother load, so to speak in our life. But I can guarantee 100% of the time we will not hit it. If we quit, if we give up, if we pack it in and, and take off hundred percent guarantee, you will not achieve what you want to achieve. Um, and, and so I think it's a, it's a no brainer that you just keep going. You, you keep going that left, right, left, right, left, right. You know, with your, you just keep taking baby steps if you have to. And sometimes we think, all right, well, I'm not quitting. I didn't quit, quit. You know, I didn't quit, quit, you know, but it's like, imagine if, if any of your listeners have, or people watching this have been running on a track, they've been running on a track. Okay. Let's say you run a mile on a track. So four laps around. I might be watching you, Melanie, run. I might be watching you run. I can't tell when you quit, but you know when you quit in your mind before you quit physically. Your, your, your stride is a little bit less. Your effort's not there. Now, I might not be able to tell with my eyes that you quit, but you quit mentally, and it's just a matter of time. Your time will be slower and slower. Whereas if we're on a treadmill, the minute I quit mentally is the minute I fly off the back and hit that wall. <laughs> Most of us think of quitting in terms of that treadmill. Well, I didn't quit. You know, I didn't just stop running on the track. No, but you quit mentally. You gave up. You, you, you stopped doing what you needed to do to reach your goal. Most of us think in terms of, of extremes of black and white. Well, I didn't quit, quit. I didn't fly off that treadmill. No, but you stopped. You, you slowed down. You, you stopped pushing yourself 
you know, to the limit. You stopped pushing yourself the way you needed to, to get to where you need to be. And so a lot of times I think we're, we're so close to our goals, but we get discouraged and you, you hit it right on the head with, with COVID. There's so much discouragement and that's where leaders have to be dealers in hope. Leaders have to cast this vision of, of what can be. And Hey, Melanie, you got to keep going. Melanie, you can do this. It's going to be hard. I'm going to be right there with you. You know what? You might not achieve what you wanted to achieve, but you're going to get closer to that. And at the very least, you're not going to get farther away because you're going to keep moving forward. Right. Well, and it leads right into the name of your podcast, right? So for people that haven't followed you before, your whole podcast is set up on this preface of success is a choice. Everything that we do every single day, whether we need more of the right people in our environment, whether we need to, you know, do something different, whether we need to take that 1% effort every day to say, I got to, I got to get the momentum, right? I got to find that momentum again. And, and so what's encouraging is you do this every day. You say, I'm going to interview these people that are really just pouring into themselves with success and saying, Hey, we're going to encourage other people to be able to say, I can see this too. I can do this. Uh, and so as a coach, I just think it's awesome to be able to represent you in the way that you are to be celebrated because you do this, you live this. And, and so you can pour into other people. If you weren't doing this yourself, you could not add that significance to the world. Well, thank you. I try. I try to do it. Um, you know, there's a, uh, there's a number of areas that I need to get better at and be more disciplined in and have better habits. But every, every single day that my, my bed doesn't get made right away, I think about, you know, uh, I, I think about, well, I'm not winning this day. I'm not starting this day off, uh, you know, in the right way. And so I make my bed and I know that's become cliche, especially, uh, Admiral, I, I believe McRaven, um, you know, he, he wrote a book about it. Uh, he had this great speech at the university of Texas about it, make your bed. Uh, I was talking to, about that to my teams for years about making your bed, starting your day off. Right. And I, I actually got a text message a couple of years ago from a young lady that I coached. She was in med school. She was just finishing up med school, wanted to thank me. And she said, one of the things I did every day was make my bed because I remember all those times you told us to make our bed, to win the day, to at least start off the day with one win. Um, and then that develops habits. And, and I do think success is a choice. I, I think success leaves clues, but I also think success is a choice. Failure is a choice. Our choices are made up, you know, our habits are made up of our daily choices, our hourly choices, our minute choices, you know, and, and I wish that I was better at this all the time. Like sometimes we, we talk all the time about, or people will say all the time, I just don't know what I, I just don't know what to do. You know, it's so hard to know what to do. And and I would say most of the time, that's not the issue. It's not that we don't know what to do. It's that we don't want to do it. I know 100% that drinking a bottle of water is better than drinking a Diet Dr. Pepper. And eating an apple is better than eating a Kit Kat. And having a salad is better than a pizza. Like, I know that. I just don't want to do those things. Um, Oftentimes we know what we should do. We know what the good habits are. We know what the good choices are that lead to those good habits. We just don't really want to do it. We choose what we want right now over what's most important to us. And ultimately we need to do a better job of choosing what's most important to us over what we want right now. Um, and, and so I love interviewing some of these people on success as a choice. You know, uh, they, they have so many different stories Ultimately, and they haven't all made great decisions and they're still not all making great decisions, but they're making a lot of choices that that help them get to where they want to get. And, you know, we've had a, a lot of different people on it. You know, it, it's not it's it's a bad business model because it doesn't we, we don't have one niche. You know, you would think, all right, Jamie's podcast would be all about sports people and coaches. And, and that's not the case. We have a lot of those. But I mean, one week we have, you know, a pastor who you know, was the producer of Facing the Giants and, and movies like that. Uh, the next week we have a pussycat doll on the show. You know, we have poker players. We have, you know, hockey players like you, you know, <laughs> we have all different kinds of people. And so that's been really fun. Mm -hmm. So what would you say for you? What makes you successful when you're saying, I don't want to do this or I don't want to make that choice? How do you decide? What's the one thing that you say, I know I can do this to get back the momentum? 
Do you know about the Y Institute? The Y Institute was founded by Gary Sanchez and inspired by Simon Sinek. Hi, I'm Melanie Ake, founder of Everyday Leaders Professional Coaching and Consulting, and as the first certified associate agent in the United States with the Y Institute, now Everyday Leaders can help you discover your why. Go to everydayleaders.com and take your why assessment today. Discovering your why is the essential first step of being an everyday leader. Everyday leaders know their why and live their why. Discover your why. Find out more at everydayleaders.com. That's everydayleaders.com. This is is a, a bad answer because it's developed through the years, but it's, I just tell myself, what do I want? What's my goal? What do I want? Is this helping me reach my goal. And, and it sounds like, you know, a bunch of just mental hooey or mental toughness or whatever you want to say, but I've developed through the years, just this ability in my mind or to, to, to snap myself out of something and say, Hey, you've got to get back on track. You know, it's like, um, okay. Terrible analogy. I'm the king of bad analogies. I'm sorry. And this is the only one I could think of right now. Terrible. Okay. If you're walking down, a, if I'm walking down a sidewalk and a beautiful woman is walking the other way and I take a glance at her, okay, that's human nature. That's what I'm saying. I'm rationalizing. It's human nature. If I continue to stare at her and I continue to think about, wow, I'd like to be with her as opposed to my wife. Now, all of a sudden I'm letting my, my just, that's more than just natural. That's allowing myself to go down a rabbit hole or go down a path that's not conducive to my goals of maintaining my marriage and not getting slapped. Okay. Those not getting slapped is a really big goal of mine in life sometimes, but as long as I want to stay married, then I need to make sure that that glance, that, that natural glance doesn't turn into a look that doesn't turn into a stare. Um, you know, because that could be a problem. Now that's a terrible analogy, but I think most people will understand that. I've developed that over the years and it sounds really weird, but I've developed just uh, the ability to snap myself out of it because I know what I want most of the time. And, and I think most of us do know what we want. It's just a matter of developing that habit of saying, okay, every choice I make, you know, and it sounds weird, but it becomes automatic. Um, I'll give you another example. You know, we, I've gotten to the point and this wasn't always the case, but I've gotten to the point where, if I get stopped at a red light, let's say, and I'm in a hurry, I get mad right away or I get frustrated right away. And then immediately I tell myself, okay, did I praise Jesus for all those green lights I just went through? Nope. So I can't get mad about this red light that just stopped me. And it's one of those things where perspective wise, I got to remember, hey, I can't get mad about this. I can't get frustrated about this because there's also a lot of gratitude that I missed the boat on, or these are, it's not going to help me get to where I want to be. Um, I can do something. I can use my energy elsewhere. And I don't mean to like sound all uh, uh, spiritual or kumbaya or all this. uh, It's not Zen or any of that kind of stuff. It's just years of, of self-talk of telling myself, Hey, we've got to get back on the path. We got to get back on the the right track. Um, can't be negative about this. Can't get frustrated about this. I want to get frustrated, but I, but I can't. Well, and it's great coaching, right? Because every one of us says, okay, if I get down, if one little thing throws me off or one thing triggers me, then I need to know what the strategy is so that I can get back on track. And that's, that takes a lot of training, but the mindset is you can win, you can win in life and you can win in all of your relationships if you just follow those rules. So um, being able to develop that, I think, is is the key. And you talk a lot about this in um, the leadership playbook, which I love. I've got uh, lots of notes in here already because I think, right, all of us need this strategy. And when you talk about that either in uh, in playing sports or your life, it it's all the same. So if you haven't been an athlete, you can still develop these strategies. It's not like, hey, I didn't make the team, so... I can't do this the rest of my life, right? <laughs> um, I want you to talk about this in parenting. So when you became a parent, right? And so um, I think this is such a great story 
But talk to me about kind of the decisions, right? Walking through those steps and then saying, now I'm going to pour into really developing another human being. You really need to not not talk to my wife so much. She's telling you to ask me. No. Um, First of all, my, my son is 11 and I have no idea. About 12, 13 years ago, I was an expert in parenting. So I don't know where what's gone wrong with me because I was an expert year, a decade ago at parenting and I don't know where that's gone, but we adopted Jalen at birth and, and that was an awesome experience. Adopted, We got to take him home from the hospital. We were in a situation where we were looking to adopt. Uh, we didn't have children. We were looking to adopt. And so we got our, ourself in the, uh, the, the system to get adopted. And uh, I was not quite on board with, uh, Saying I was not quite on board with with having a child would be an understatement. I was very much against it. Um, I I was way more interested in my career and a child. I heard too many people tell me that a, a, a child will change your life, and I didn't want to change my life that way. I wanted to be a better coach, and I wanted to pers- uh, progress as a coach and and keep moving up. And uh, so I wasn't I wasn't totally on board with with a child, but I but. I was on board with being married once again. So I loved my wife. So I went along with it. Well, I'd also heard these horror stories that, you know, you're, you're some of these people are, you know, on a beach in Hilton head and they get this call that, Hey, you're going to have to, uh, you know, you can have a kid tomorrow. There's a kid available for you. And I'm like, that's, that would be terrible. She's like, it would be terrible to have a kid. I'm like, no, it'd be terrible to leave your vacation to, to have to, you know, one day's notice. And my wife's like, I promise, you know, it won't be one day. So eventually we get this call and it's like, Hey, we've got this, uh, we've got this mother and she's picked you guys and she's due in 12 days. And I'm like, Oh, 12 days. My wife's like, yeah, it's not one day. So you're good. So we, we go to meet her and she's all excited and she's like, I just met with my doctor and they're going to induce labor and they're moving it up a week. And I'm like, carry the one. That's five days from now. That's five days from now. That's our opening game. Our first game of the year is that, that day. I'm like, oh, my word. And I'm like, oh, that's great news. You know, so fast forward five days and uh, and. uh you know, I'm like, okay, she's due at like eight o'clock, eight thirty in the morning. I'm like, yep, baby's gonna pop out. I'm gonna spend a couple hours with him. You know, cool, and I'll get back to the game. You know, the game's at six o'clock. Plenty of time. So every woman right now listening to this is just rolling their eyes. You know, at what an idiot I am. Needless to say, I didn't make it to the game. There's a whole lot more involved than that. But uh, we we stayed at the hospital for a couple of days. My assistant coach got a win, so that's great. Every every uh, every year for Jalen's birthday, I I congratulate him on his one college victory <laughs> as a coach. But you know we've had him for a, it's been great eleven years. Um, it, it's been great. You know he's moved around with us. I, I think we've had like five different houses or five different. We've lived in five different cities, and so it, he's been great moving around. And he's just a great kid. And and yeah, having a kid does change your life. And. Uh, so it's been great. It was it was good with him, uh, you know, when I was a coach and then when I was an AD and now uh, being self-employed. And, uh, you know, he, he's been great. And, uh, yeah, he was a great student in the spring when COVID hit and locked down every sh- school, shut down every school. And I had to teach him third grade. I was teacher of the year. He passed. So obviously I did a good job. He, he moved on to fourth grade despite having a lot of recess and gym classes. <laughs> Well, you know what? That's all about choices, right? I love the story. And I thank you for sharing that because I know, right, it's the personal stuff that really makes us who we are and deciding that you were going to follow through with that because you could have at any point said, you know what? I really think that the right decision is I'm really good at what I know. I'm really good at coaching and I'm really good at it just pouring into people that I know what the outcomes are going to be. I know how to influence them. And so you've taken on this journey of, I can learn, I can stretch, I can grow. And gosh, maybe I'm needed to teach something to someone and I'm going to learn something from it. And so I I just think, you know, watching this journey and seeing this unfold and seeing how big your heart has become um, amazing 
to watch you and, and grow into this and say, yeah, I'm an entrepreneur and I don't really know what's going to happen next. But what I do know is the foundation that I have developed and, and I know what I see. And, you know, our, our mentor tells us, right, you view and you do what you view. And so I think that's where your life is just exploding, Jamie. Well, what, what might change is, is I may pivot from working with traditional sports and go into the esports business because that's an up and coming thing. Um, and my son, all he wants to do is play video games. So it may be something where I become a helicopter dad and, you know, I'm like, no, you are not going out to play until you get a third hour of Fortnite practice in. You have to play that. Did you get three hours of Fortnite? If not, then you don't get to go outside and play. You're not exercising. You're not doing anything. Until you get, and uh, maybe I'll maybe I'll uh, pivot into being a leadership coach for uh, esports teams. But uh, <laughs> no, all he wants to do is play video games, and and people are making millions of video games now. So who who knew? Who knew all those times growing up when parents wouldn't let their kids stay in the basement and play video games that they were taking money out of their kids' pocket? Who knew? Exactly. You know, <laughs> I have a friend of mine that their son they went on vacation. And he said he wanted to pay for, they were going to go on a helicopter trip. And she was like, how, how in the world do you have money to pay for that? And he says, well, because I, I get paid to go up <laughs> levels for different games. People yeah. pay me and, yeah. and I up level them on their, on their games. And I'm like, are you serious? I'm like, <laughs> but that's what happens today, right? We don't know because we didn't grow up in that. However, there is such a strategy about using somebody's strengths and gifts to be able to help them become who they are supposed to be, right? Reaching their potential. So uh, I love that in everything that you're getting ready to do. Who knows what's going to happen right, next? Right. Because you just, you know, you step into it. And as leaders, we know you just really get the foundation and practice those principles every single day. And then it starts to become a habit. And, and that mindset is be open and right to the things that are possible. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, uh, but, but who knew that uh, during COVID the the kids that live in their parents' basement playing video games were going to be the ones that inherit the earth. <laughs> you know, they're the only ones that are, that are adjusting and surviving because that's what they do all the time. And that, once again, that's putting people in a box and, and generalizing, but uh, yeah, some of these gamers, you know, they don't ever get out anyways. And so this was, this was the last year was great for them. They just made more money. The world hasn't changed much, has it? No, no. <laughs> who knew? <laughs> <laughs> Who knew? Hey, Jamie, I want to share your website because um, I've got it pulled up here and just kind of wanted to take people through how they can connect to you because I think there is so much. Um, uh, you are pretty famous. People know you. <laughs> However, if they haven't connected to your website, here are some great, um, great information on your books that they can order, your podcast, everything about you, uh, really your history and coaching is all right here to be found at jamiebeckler.com. Um, talk to us about, you know, what you're working on. What do you think is kind of your your 80% focus right now? Yeah, without without a doubt, it's uh, my the leadershipplaybook.com. It's my on-demand leadership program for sports teams and, and athletic departments. That's that's the number one thing. And, and I'm only about two and a half years behind on that. Uh, it was supposed to be done about two and a half years ago. I drag my feet, drag my feet, drag my feet. And then COVID hit. And I'm like, oh my word, this would have been perfect for, you know, these millions of people that are home alone, you know, or that don't have sports right now. And, and so during COVID we, we, you know, got in high gear and, and got that done, but it's essentially hundreds of two minute videos for athletes. And, uh, you know, they can watch it on their phones or tablet and they, they learn these leadership principles uh, we show them these two minute videos. It's all my content. And then we also help the coaches along as well. It's a membership community. And so this has been a great thing. We launched it in January. So it's been really great. And, uh, that, that is been most of my focus. And then we have external thing, you know, things over here on the side, things like that, you know, uh, the podcast, uh, you know, marketing, uh, I'm, I'm going to be speaking on stage actually this weekend will be the first time I've, I've spoken since the shutdowns and the lockdowns, Yes. um, down in Florida for all the Florida high school athletic directors. So that'll be fun to, to actually, I, I've, I've been on campuses for like work workshops, 
speaking with teams, but I haven't been at a conference yet. And so this, this will be fun with that. And then in November, we're going to release our fourth book. It's another fictional book. And so uh, we'll, we'll start, we, we've been working a little bit on that on the side, but we'll, we'll hit that in the summer really hard to finish that up. Excellent. Excellent. Well, how can we help you? What can we do to help you? Be, uh, I, I I love the quote, um, and this sounds kind of uh, up in the clouds in a way, but but Gandhi says, "Be the change you want to see in the world." And and one of the best ways that anybody can help me is to go out there and be. I, I know it sounds crazy, but be kind to people, um, be good leaders, be good people of influence. Try to make the world a better place. And and you know, I I'll. I'll tell these, these athletic directors that I meet with this weekend, you don't have to use my stuff. You don't even have to buy my book, but use somebody's stuff and buy somebody's book, you know, become better so that your coaches can become better. So then your student athletes can be better and our world can be a little bit better. And I firmly believe that we can still make a difference and we can still bring up this next generation and everybody watching this show uh, live, everybody listening to it, you know, on replay or whatever, you interact with people. You have interactions. Every single interaction is an opportunity to make the world a bit better. And, and it could be just you going down to the DMV to get your license renewed. Your interaction with that person who probably doesn't want to be in that job, it might not change their life, but it could inspire them and at least be a positive part of their day that gets them to the next 30 minutes or gets them to the next hour. And so we all can do that. We all can be somebody that that is the reason somebody smiles, is the reason that somebody feels like, you know what, this this is a good day. And so I know that sounds kind of corny, but I 100% believe it. And um, I just think we can make a difference out there. And, and I, I think everybody listening to this, you know, I would love for you to buy my books. I would love for you to bring me in, you know, yeah. I mean, because because my son is kind of weird. He likes to live indoors and wear shoes and eat food. So, so we still would like to have money, but ultimately one of the, the, the main reason I do what I do is not to make money. It, it's to make a difference. And, and most people won't believe that because we're so about making money, making money, making money all the time, but we make a living, we survive, things are good. We could make more money. But I also make sure I take calls for free. I make sure that sometimes I'll speak for free. I do things to make a difference. And I, I really want that. I want to be able to 10 years from now look on Facebook or whatever the, the social media platform is. And not everybody is at each other's throats. That people are a little bit kinder to one another. That that sports teams are a little bit better. That people are better sportsmen. Um, just all that kind of stuff. And if I can do my little part and in, in a little part of the world, then that's great. And if the people listening to this can do the same, that's awesome too. So that was, that was my little, uh, that was my little plea. That was my little uh, uh, sermon in church. <laughs> now go forth, go forth, everybody. <laughs> now go forth. No, I think it's so true. And you are spot on uh, Jamie, everything that you stand for is about success and how you how everybody can do this right everybody can do this and it's get the inspiration find the people that can help you figure out what success looks like for you it's different for everybody but you can have success and you can be that change that we want to see in the world um, and so especially right now so many people are hurting so many people are still quiet once we get back out to this um you know this world where we can go out and not wear a mask and try to be social together and, and people have a lot of fear about that. But just reaching out sometimes and asking people if they're okay is a change that you want to see in the world, right? Just yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And one, one of the other things related to that and piggybacking on that is I'm really, I, I really think we need to, we all can be positive leaders. We all can be positive influence. We can all be a positive breath of fresh air and, and not like necessarily this pom-pom positivity. Like we've all been around cheerleaders at a sporting event where you're down 20 points, there's one minute to go and the cheerleaders are still saying we can win. We're the, we're the best. And it's like, no, you're not the best and you're not going to win right now. Okay. That's not going to happen. But what we can do in that last minute, we can play hard. We can do what we're supposed to do. We're not going to win, but we can still do what we're supposed to do. I think in life, we have way too many people 
that are problem fixated that that look at only the negative stuff you know like i mentioned the red lights we only remember those red lights that stopped us on the way to work but we don't remember those green lights you know all those green lights we don't remember all the good things that happened to us we remember the bad things we're problem fixated as opposed to being solution focused you know you don't have to be an athlete or a coach listening to this and be like, oh, this this guy this guy is just a, a a sports guy. You know, it doesn't apply to me. When you're in the break room, when you're around a, a water cooler, when you're talking with you know two other ladies at church, you know, and and they're talking about problems or you know, uh, you know, doing their prayer requests slash gossip, you know, you can be the positive voice there. You can you can direct our attention. You can bring us back to where we're supposed to be going and how we're supposed to be acting or. You know, you're, you, you compliment people, you encourage people, you say, Hey, listen, you know, what, what you did on that sale or what you did with that report or what you did when you spoke to that person today, when you answered the phone, man, that was awesome. That did more for our culture when you answered the phone and spoke to that person that way than any sign or slogan we could put up on our walls. Like that was awesome. Make your secretary's day, make your administrative assistant's day, make your custodian's day, whoever it is, it doesn't matter. Make someone's day and be more solution focused than problem fixated. Mm, I love that. All right. Since you're a John Maxwell team member, these cards are the wisdom. (laughs) So I'm going to draw one of these and I want you to speak into this before you leave us. All right. So a concept on leadership, because you are all about success so here we go. I'm just going to pick one here. This is so fun. <laughs> All right. Ooh, this is great. All right. So here's the card. Every successful idea is based on other ideas that proceed and surround it. So speak into that for us. Every successful Every idea is based is... on other ideas that proceed around it. Well, that that really speaks to me because I'm not sure I've had any original ideas ever. So every every idea I have is is not creative. It's it's from somebody else that's smarter than me. That's why I read books. Um, but like we talked about on on when you came on my podcast, you were mentioning Simon Sinek. I don't actually read all of Simon Sinek's books because he has words I don't understand. Um, that's why I like John Maxwell's books. It's it's they're very much simple. But uh, uh, one of the best compliments I got on my last book was that it was very simple. You know, middle schoolers could read it. And I was like, great. That's awesome. I try not to use big words, but yeah, every, every idea, you know, I love in in the coaching business or in, in basketball coaching uh, or any sports coaching, we steal or borrow ideas all the time because you want to take something that that's someone else is doing. That's good. You know, you don't have to recreate the wheel all the time. You don't have to be the originator in everything. Um, Take something and then make it better. And then somebody else is going to take what you're doing and they're going to make it better as well. And and that's where you help one another. That's where evolution comes in. The evolution of thought, the evolution of just everything should be getting better because we should be taking what people have done in the past. I'm a big proponent of history. I'm a big fan of history. Of the of the saying, you know, if those who those who don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it. Um, I think we can learn from history, but we can learn from ideas. We can learn from things that people have said and then make it better. I, I've taken stuff that John Maxwell has said. I don't think I'm smarter than John Maxwell, but I've taken certain things that he said and I've expanded upon it and not necessarily made it better, but made it my own or made it uh for a middle school basketball player can understand it a little bit better or put it put it in a framework that a basketball player might be able to understand. Uh, and so that, I think that's what we're always doing is trying to make things better. Mm. That was a really tough, uh, that was a really tough thing because I know that's something like John Maxwell does, but he's like genius. He's like the guru, <laughs> you know, so he can like take something right away and, and just go with it for hours on like oh. one word. The word is the, T-H-E, two hours later. Exactly, right? And then how do you think about it and how do you use it and how are you going to apply it? But I think that's the key, right? We don't have to know all the answers. That's what I love. I take these cards out all the time and think, okay, but the challenge is now what do you think into and how are you going to journal about this? And so when you think about ideas, 
and you're coaching and you're developing and you talk about you and Jalen, you know, maybe developing a new business together, right? But it's it's maybe something that somebody else has already thought about, but it's taking those ideas and implementing those and then tweaking them to be your own and and so surrounding yourself with all the right people so that you can have success in your life. Because like you've said, success is a choice. Absolutely. And and I'm all for surrounding yourself with smarter people. You know, even when I was a basketball coach, if I look around on my bench and I'm the smartest person or in the coaching coaching meeting, if I'm the smartest person on every topic, we're in trouble. Um, so you want to surround yourself with good people all the time. Don't be afraid, you know, and, and I, I think sometimes insecure leaders or bad leaders, they're jealous or they're intimidated or they're afraid to have other good leaders around them because they're, they're afraid that, you know, they won't get the attention or the recognition. And it's like, man, it, it doesn't matter. It's about, it's about going in the right direction and, and achieving what's right, not being right. Like it's a good leader is not concerned about whose fault it is or who's right. A good leader is just worried about moving us forward. How can we move us all forward? And I've heard this, or I mean, I've heard so many times leaders uh, and, you know, managers, coaches, whoever it is, but leaders say, well, it's not my fault. It's not my fault, whatever, fill in the blank. It's not my fault. And you know what? It may not be your fault, but it's 100% your responsibility to find a solution. It's 100% your responsibility to inspire your people. It's 100% your responsibility to help your people be so good that they don't screw up as often or in that way. Again, uh, to move your group forward, it is your responsibility. You know, as a coach, it might not have been my fault that that kid had a knucklehead play. He was a bonehead, a boneheaded play. It wasn't my fault that he had a turnover. But you know what? It was 100% my responsibility to work with him before that point to try to get him to the point where he wasn't caving into pressure or he knew what he, the play was even better or his skills were better. I have to do all that I can as a leader to help my people grow and develop. And, and sometimes as leaders, we're just playing the blame game. You know, <laughs> when I sit there and listen to you, you can think of people in your mind immediately, right? You have these pictures of all these people saying, oh, I knew that. I experienced that. I wish I could have changed that. And the triggers that come up because you say, how could I make a difference the next time? How can I make a difference the next time starting today with my team, right? With my, uh, if, if we go back from COVID and we're all in cubicles together again, uh, we have to start to associate with each other in a different way because we've all experienced things differently. We may have had great loss. Um, we're, you know, companies are downsizing still. They're eliminating positions. And so as they get back together, like, what is that going to look like? And who will the leaders be? Some may have invested a lot in their leadership capacity to come back into these organizations. And so I think we're going to see a lot of shifting and a lot of people that need you to come in as well, just to kind of help them figure it out. Like, what is that supposed to look like next? Uh, and so, right, you don't have to have it all figured out today, but working on it, like you said, to say, what do we want it to look like? And then how do we strategize to, to put the right people in the right places? No, that's a great point. We, we've got to be coachable. As leaders, we've got to be coachable. As, as a basketball coach, a football coach, a athletic director, oftentimes we're not coachable, yet we want our athletes to be coachable. Managers, supervisors, CEOs, we want our employees to do it a certain way or be coachable, but we're not willing to adjust or be coachable. And, and we've got to look at all angles and we've got to, you, you said it there right at the end, We've got to use the strengths. We've got to get the right people on the bus. We got to get them in the right seats, but we've got to develop our people and and help equip them and, and empower them to do jobs that they're skilled in and that that they have strengths in. Um, you know, we may have people in our corporation or our business or our organization that you know are doing a job that they're not as equipped for, but man, they could kill it in another job. Or maybe if we just talk to this person and get their ideas, they're full of ideas. Um, so so that that requires us opening our eyes. It requires us getting out from behind our desk. It requires us to actually put some effort in. Um, I talk about it a lot of times like when when I have an issue, let's say, with my wife or we have a disagreement, which which 
that is when I screw up somehow. You know, I can stop at the Shell station on the way home and get that, you know, overpriced rose or those flowers or balloons, or I can bring cards or chocolates home, you know, and that might soothe it over temporarily. But really what I need to do if I want to make sure that things are going well is, is I need to sit down and listen. I need to, to invest in her. I need to do the things daily that are going, that are required for this marriage to work, not just throw a bandaid on it or do something temporary. And that's what we as coaches do in athletic world. That's what we as CEOs or managers do. We, we institute a new policy or we, we change personnel sometimes, or we, we hire or fire, or we, we like in sports, we'll put in a new play or do a different practice schedule or something. We, we make these um, surface changes, but we don't dive into, you know, why is it that we're constantly going through employees? Why is it that, that these employees are not doing, are, aren't as effective or efficient in their jobs? Maybe they're not inspired. Maybe they don't like each other. Maybe, you know, fill in the blank. There's some issues there that we're never diving into and we're never exploring because we're just managing. We're just doing our paperwork. We're just taking care of our own or we're looking at how can, how can we help the bottom line when the reality is our bottom line might skyrocket if we put a little bit more time into people development. And, and the last thing I'll say about that, kind of tie it up with a bow, is too oftentimes leaders spend way too much time trying to get compliant followers as opposed to developing other leaders. We spend way too much time. Just do what you're supposed to do. Do what you're supposed Why can't you guys just do what you're supposed to do? Come on time, show up on time, do what you're supposed to do as opposed to building up investment in those people, getting them to take ownership in that position, in that company, in that organization. We don't empower people to be leaders. We don't develop other leaders and replicate ourselves. It's the five levels of leadership. We just stick to that level one with the positional leadership, which is essentially do what I tell you to do. Um, and compliant followers is not the way to build a culture. It's developing other leaders. Mm. Oh my gosh. Boom. <laughs> As Chip Baker would say, right? <laughs> okay. That was a boom. <laughs> it's so important. Uh, I think so much of our culture is changing and especially where you're serving so many people in these corporations and teams and just ideas, right? We can do it better. We can do it better. And you said it from the very beginning, be the change that we want to see in the world. And it does start with us. And it starts with that self-leadership. Uh, and so it is a choice, Jamie. And I so appreciate you. You have just been so wonderful tonight to pour into us on all these principles um, from fatherhood to coaching to really leading teams with success out in the corporate world. And I'm really excited to see you, what you're going to do here, um, going back out, you know, being live and being able to pour into organizations and um, and do and make a difference because uh, we, we need you in the world. Well, thank you. Thank you. I'm glad you say that. Hopefully, uh, hopefully these Florida athletic directors will say that after I'm down there. Um, yes. yes, they will. You know, and hopefully, uh, you know, ho you know, even, even when I speak, the fun time is the, the time after or the time before when you're meeting people and talking to them. And, and, uh, that's, that's a really fun time, you know, being up on stage is cool, but, you know, the, the talking and the interacting is the really cool part. As you know, having, having been at a lot of these conferences and spoken, you know, been a keynote spoken at workshops, doing MC stuff, you know, just talking with people. That's awesome. The interaction. Um, yeah. So I appreciate that. Yes. It's awesome. Um, all right. So you can find Jamie at jamiebeckler.com. All of his books, you can get the Leadership Playbook, which is a highly recommended book. I've got my copy right here. You want to get this so that you can start understanding how to live your life with success. And Jamie, um, will you come back on Everyday Leaders and keep us updated on everything that you're doing? I, I just want to share your journey. I think you're amazing. I appreciate you so much. All these fellow Hoosiers that are like, hey, I remember him when. <laughs> so It's really awesome to just be on your journey. Absolutely. I, I come on anytime. I appreciate what you're doing and, and you're doing, you're doing great stuff. So I, I'm just honored that you'd have me on the show. Thank you. 
Oh, this is wonderful. All right. So jamiebeckler.com. You can get the book, The Leadership Playbook um, at leadershipplaybook.com. Follow Jamie, connect to him, find out what's going on, get him out into your organization so that you can actually infuse leadership principles into your organization, um, athletic directors, everybody, right? Success is a choice and it starts with us. So follow Jamie's podcast and, and everything that he's doing. And remember to be an everyday leader in your life, you first have to lead yourself. So thank you all for joining us tonight. If you're watching us on YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, hashtag replay. If you're replaying this, ask us questions. We would love to connect to you. And uh, Jamie, thank you so much again for joining us here tonight. It was my pleasure. Thank you. This has been a Joe Studios production.